Things happen to people differently and it's okay, it's okay. Hashtag facts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sharing our stories, our experiences. We are able to air our views. Mm-hmm. And we are not uh, editing anything. We really want to speak to, to, the girl. to the girls. So hi guys, welcome to another um, recording of Chini Ambuyu. And I'm hanging out with Rwandese girls today. Say hi girls. Hi. So um, it's an opportunity for us to interact with a different country, different context. And today... I'm hanging out with two girls with disabilities and two girls who are power women in the advocacy space. So let's take it away, girls. So today we are going to speak about sex and culture in Rwanda. And my first question is, could you tell us what inspired you to become an advocate for girls and young women and what led you into this journey into activism? Thank you. For me, what led me to this journey is growing up seeing in my community girls and young women dropping out of school due to early pregnancies. And I wanted to see the girls in my community graduating. It was really, really hard back then. However, I'm glad now we are able to graduate compared to when I was 14, 12 and 15. So we see progress today. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Another girl? Yeah. So me, what inspired my journey is my mother. My mother is a feminist and a very strong opinionated woman. She used to challenge people, challenge norms. So I grew up with that. I was privileged to have her and for her to pave the way for me. But I I realized that most young girls, women are not as confident. They do not have enough information on sexual reproductive health. So I decided to be the champion and put the information out there. Good job, good job. Yes. Yes, what inspired me uh, to advocate for women and girls uh, here in Rwanda back then, the girls and women were like the the second people because the first people was men so i wa- i really i really want to come up with the self confident girls with the loving girls with the genius girls to show men that we are able but now we are somehow showing off our capabilities and we are somehow on the same level with men girls are on fire (laughs) yes yeah uh, i think what stood for me to like stand up for the voice of uh, young girls with disability is that these girls most of them were like they had no information about what is going on in their lives most especially they they didn't know their rights and they had to speak out we had to say there is something which is missing in the spaces of other young girls. So that made me to stand up and say, I think I should do something about these young girls with disability. I mean, you're doing tremendous work and um, we Kenyan ladies really are out here stunning your queens for the work that you are doing. And um, I'm wondering at this moment, as an African woman, what are the accomplishments that you're really proud of and what are you looking forward to achieving into the future? I know you are visionary, so if you could, you can share some hopes that you have for the future. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Like for me, uh, I feel like to see women with di- or young girls with disability being proud of themselves, first of all, being in the same space with other girls, being of, like speak for what they want and feel they can do whatever they need in all the spaces they are in. They access whatever they feel they want in everywhere, in every services that in, is in Rwanda and is being like recognized by everyone also to have that. I, I, I don't know if I can say like they are yeah. accessing that for themselves without support, without like we are bringing that child, uh, like we are helping them, you know but to have a space for themselves to do what they feel they want. Yeah, and I think inclusion is really important today, especially as we are chasing gender equality. And yeah, we stand a queen. You are a queen. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. My hope for the future is to live in a society where every girl and young woman in all their diversities are able to access sexual and reproductive health and rights services without any constraints and without no one being left behind. Because as mentioned, what pushed me to start my advocacy journey, it was the SRHR issues within my communities. So if I will get to that part where I can see girls, uh, no matter those in in, in formal, area, uh, formal areas or informal, those from the hot rich areas are able to access any, any services on SRHR, I'll sit back and drink my wine without any stress because it really stresses me out to see the way we were born is also a challenge it shouldn't be a challenge it shouldn't at all yeah we see the space you're at and i think it's very critical yeah i think for me what my vision would be i would like to see I'll start with Rwanda. I'd love to see every girl, every young woman, every girl in Rwanda having bodily autonomy because I feel like that's where everything starts. If someone is in full control of their body and the decisions made on their body, I feel like all these other things, they'll fall into place because... Yes. Mm -hmm. If you you take full control of your body and you know the decisions, you have that power to make the decision on your body, when to take a contraceptive, when to have a child, all those things, then I feel like we will be getting somewhere and we are getting somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we have to recognize the steps that we are taking even today. Yeah, and we we can see the kind of work you're doing and it's really tremendous. What I would like to see in the future, uh, let me first tell tell you what I'm really happy for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have already graduated in uh, my univer- my bachelor's degree, and I'm really happy for that because uh, in the past, the person with a disability can never go up like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But what, what I would like to say in the future, I would like to be a leader and uh, other girls with a disability become young leaders, become employed in easy way without judging them according to their disability. I really want to see the old people looking on their intellectual properties or 
uh, intellectual level without judging them according to their disability. Wow, I think the future will be truly feminine, isn't it? Yeah, with the efforts that you are putting out here, it's really feeling very hopeful and very feminine. And moving on, it's important for young women to receive sexual and reproductive health information as they grow up, isn't it? Can you just picture the younger you when you just first received your periods? <laughs> yeah, you remember that moment? Uh, and how is it for you? Can you tell us what kind of information you received when you were younger? Like, for example, the example we've just brought up, what information did you learn about periods and how to manage them at school or at home? And were you even just told about any myths that exist about menstruation? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Like me, I was in the boarding school, but I was somehow youngest for my first time. I told my mother that I get my first period and she was like... She cried a lot because oh. he, she, she can't feel how the visual impaired girl, young girl is going to have a period without being um, together with her because I was in the boarding school. It was really hurting, but uh, she told me that that is a strong secret. Don't tell to anyone. <laughs> it's it's going to be between me and you. And the myths about period, I think, there was none. There was none. Because my mother was there to tell me yeah, what's going to happen. There's, there's nothing big there. Yeah, so we see your mom was such a strong support system for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, Just getting into periods and having that kind of information. Yeah, but weirdly, she told me that it's, it's really hard. How are you going to do that alone without <laughs> me being... Because I remember the first time he, she was... Uh, she was trying to show me how you can wear a sanitary pad and it was like it was hard it was hard it was not really understandable easily like yeah. to me as a, a visual impaired girl yeah and for you as a visually impaired girl how has it been handling menstruation it was really normal and uh-huh. yeah I was like oh I'm excited I'm going to be like other girls yeah yeah it was really great okay well at the end of the day we're all girls despite yeah. our differences yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so my experience was I think I was a late bloomer I oh. did not get my period till like till high school like in S3 wow yeah. wow <laughs> Mm, you're lucky. <laughs> was that being lucky? But <laughs> you was in senior. Yeah, oh, yeah. Me, I got okay. it So everyone, I remember in primary, anyone that would get a period, I think the whole school would know. Exactly. For some reason. Yeah. I don't know how everyone would know because now they'd be shy, they'd wear a sweater around around the waist. The, the waist. So it was, some, it was a big deal. And then, of course, uh, we had a woman who'd talk to us about these things. Mm. And my mother, my mother was very helpful in that journey because she told me everything. And then I kept asking her, how comes me I haven't gotten my period? It's like I was waiting for the day. I would check every day, nothing, nothing. Like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you were excited? Yeah, you I was wanted. excited. Because I, I, I would see everyone else going into their period and I wasn't. Yeah, so by the time it happened, I had collected enough information from, from friends, from my mother, from everyone. So yeah, it was, it was a smooth experience for me. 
Well, um, for me, it wasn't as smooth as my friends here <laughs> because for me, when it first showed up, it was I was in high school, first day in high school. So you can imagine oh, how oh, challenging no. it was. I had to put my bag on the on the skirt yeah. for it not to show. And when I got home, one thing my guardian told me was. If you sleep with a boy, you are getting pregnant. <laughs> you are getting pregnant immediately. And another myth one of my extended aunts told me was that if I have to put my period on the on my on my boobies because mm-hmm. I was growing them. Yeah. Like on a bigger level. <laughs> yeah. She 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 said if you are to put your period on your boobs they will stop being big oh my however i never tried it because <laughs> we were not living together and she was an extended aunt and my aunt that i used to consider as a mother never told me that so i said this does not matter however when it came I was it was horrible for me it was horrible i could feel shy i could feel like oh god why did you do this to me on the first day of high school oh, yeah how uh, i feel like the whole school knew uh, the whole high school i i haven't talked to my friends but i know they know <laughs> they knew i haven't brought in the conversation yeah. but someday i will so okay. it wasn't that smooth as yeah. the others i think we we all have different experiences and however we appreciate them mm-hmm. because it's a new way into sending into womanhood yeah mm-hmm. yeah and we all send in with different style have yeah. you told us your experience <laughs> thank you so much yeah i feel like other people got some opportunity of having some little information yeah but to me it was not like that okay i think i remember it was also my first time and i was at going to senior one. Mm. I've never heard of anything like periods. I went like oh it was like it was like a crime in our oh culture God. like to tell girls that mm. or to find people that are talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like our moms could not like even tell you that there is periods coming one day. Ah. Oh so it was like something which came mm-hmm. and on me it was painful. Oh. Yeah, I cried, oh. and the matron had to come and say because it was at night. When I woked up, I found my sheets, uh, everything that I like. But since my baby, someone came at night and hurt me. So oh my, baby no. was raped and annoying, and was like. And it's a lived reality that some uh, most of young women in schools, girls, school going girls, miss out mm-hmm. in class. Yeah. And research shows that 13 uh, girls miss out of class up to 13 days per term in classes. So, yeah, what you went through was very valid. And I'm glad to hear that some of you went situation, through situations where the sufficient information was provided for you. There were myths also around menstruation and you were able to also address and just realize that this wasn't true or not. And um, today in your culture, what kind of sexual practices are young women taught and how do these cultural practices influence young women's views about bodies, their bodies and sex? First of all, do you even speak about sex? Let's start there. 
um, so in our culture, I would talk about personal experience. Mm-hmm. It's not like you talk about sex as in sex on its own. Yeah. It's always associated to reproduction. So it's never about sex as an act. It's about... There's fear around it. Mm-hmm. Whenever someone addresses anything about sex, especially from parents, what they tell you is how the minute you have sex, you get pregnant. So it's that's as much a conversation that you'd ever have. It's always mm-hmm. about the reproduction. Like... If you ever have sex, you're going to get pregnant, your life is going to be done, you are going to be poor, like, there's just <laughs> so many things attached to it. So I wouldn't really say that sex is a conversation that you ever have with your parents. So what you hear is from friends, from peers, hmm. and that's where most um, misconceptions and wrong things come in. One of the practices I would talk about is uh, labia elongation. Mm-hmm. So in Rwanda, labia elongation is practiced. I remember the first time I heard about it was at school. But then me being very close to my mom, when I got home, that's the first thing I asked her. And I was in primary. I was like, so <laughs> I heard that you you need to pull. And wow. then when you pull, it's it's going to help you. <laughs> this is what they, they used to say. They would mm-hmm. be like, when you pull the labias, it will be pleasurable for your husband. And it will help when you're delivering. Yeah. This was in primary, getting <laughs> such information. I was like, okay, maybe I need to do this. So when I went to to bathe, I tried doing it and my mom was like, what are you doing? So I told her everything. She's like, oh, wow. Who even told you that? She wanted to fight. She's a very (laughs) strong and opinionated woman. So she told me this is not necessary. It's It's something in the culture in Rwanda, but you don't have to practice it. It's even painful. Who even gave you this information? Yeah. So she took me through what I would understand at my age. She didn't mm. go into details of this one, do this. She just told me, it is not necessary. It is not something you should be worried about right now. Do not do it. So I was lucky to have that information. Awesome. Oh. Great. Something like... Because <laughs> your mom, you're not speaking. This is really... <laughs> I wanted to say that... It's good. Yeah. There are some women and there are some lucky, let me say lucky girls, who grow up like having their moms uh, like talking about like that. Yeah. Like for me, where I grew up, I think it is like a crime. Even today, I can say that they don't <laughs> talk about that. When they're going to tell you that maybe you're going to get pregnant, when they see you standing with a... I'm a, a, a man outside there, the old person say, hey, the, the day you bring that, the day you would bring that, you're calling some, mm, that's the day you are, you're done, you're done. You're going to die. No? Yeah. Those are the teachings we were getting around about sex. Where today, I can say, like young women, with disability, even today in the areas we are working in, they don't have full information about that. When you ask, have you, like, do you ever, like, try to talk to your mom about it? You say, eh? No, 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 that one is not allowed. In our culture, we don't say that. Mm. This has to be told by, like, a boy who is dating you. We'll talk about sex, not you talking about sex. Uh, for me, I was lucky enough to have a family where they're open about sexuality. However, as much as my friend mentioned, uh, the labia elongation is a thing because for me, it was now my aunt who told me at eight, 
years old that you need to pull the labia she never mentioned why actually i go to know why when i go to high school that is where i got to know you to help you deliver well it will help pleasuring your husband and we have this myth in rwanda like culture thing called the square squirting thing it helps you it helps you with that however i never got to do it because my aunt never be like lie there and i help you no she only told me you will do this and do that and that was it so when i reached to high school that is where the myth was really like super strong like if you don't have it it's like a crime right. so there you could see girls lining pulling 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 yeah in high school What? yeah <laughs> <clears throat> pulling one another and I was like oh no <laughs> this is a real thing to the level where i started feeling like i'm not complete like yeah. what if i i uh, i don't get a husband because of this i started to feel pressured pressured until i did it however i was like no i'm i'm stopping because it hurts yeah. a lot <laughs> a lot and it comes with bodily autonomy because i also believe however much the labia elongation is a thing they shouldn't be telling all the especially parents to children under 21 at least yeah. at least above 21 you are old enough you you know what you want like if you want to do it do it. if you don't want to do it don't. like forcing it on an 8513 years old yeah. it's really shameless exactly that's the word is shameless it's not even wrong it's shameless yeah okay um It is really hard to talk about sex here in Rwanda. When you are trying to do it, they take you like someone who don't have a discipline. They called you intrinsic. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> so it is still a long journey to take sex like a normal thing which can be talked about anytime anytime you want to talk about it anytime you want to create a conversation about sex we still have a long journey but i think yeah it uh, it will be an easy thing we salute the strong women in our lives yeah and who guided us to really making decisions for our own bodies and healthy decisions for our own bodies because we also have existing women who are also misinformed and they misinform other younger women so the cycle goes on on and on so i'm so sad that you're wrapping this up it has been such an amazing conversation and as we wrap up i'm going to give each one of us a minute to just speak uh, to a young woman out there and say to her if you had the opportunity what would you tell her about her sexual health and reproductive right, rights and what advice would you give them just to navigate this space where sometimes nobody is giving you any information to really guide yourself yeah that body you carry is yours and no one else's so take care of it take care of it baby girl as much as you can and never let anyone dictate to you how you should carry yourself because you are a shining diamond you need to shine your light and you taking care of your body it will shine the world because you are a diamond wow 
Thank you for that. Yeah, what I'd like to say to a young girl out there is that first of all, you're beautiful and for you to realize your full potential, it will have to start with you loving yourself and loving your body that you, the body that you're in. Because that body is not going anywhere. You were born with it and it will always be there. So you better start loving it, taking care of it, and from that, that's that's when you have when you have full authority on your body, then everything else will align from there. So, yeah. Yeah, and finally, okay, what I would like to tell young girls and young women is to tell you that you are someone's daughter, you are some institution's leader, you are someone's mentor. So, love yourself, take you as a, as a precious thing because you are very valid and be there to inspire other youngest girls. Well, um, I'm so honored and Chinyambuyu is so honored to host such amazing women doing tremendous work in Rwanda. And we believe that this podcast is going to reach girls out there in the world and it's going to guide them. Thank you for sharing with us your story, your journey, your future ambitions. And from us, Atakile Dada, we can wish you all the best and let's all say goodbye. Thank you. Bye. 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 The views that have been shared here are expressly our own views and they do not reflect the views of Akili Dada or any other affiliate organizations. <laughs>